Well, we did it. We have been journeying the last 10 weeks through the book of Deuteronomy, and today we come to the end, and not even COVID could stop that. Uh, I don't know what the journey has been like for you as we've walked through this Old Testament book. Uh, at times, you know, it's felt long. It's kind of like watching Lord of the Rings. You think it's going to end, but there's still 45 minutes to go. Uh, at times, it has been challenging. Uh, we've seen God at work in a time and place very different from our own. But a lot of the time, it has been comforting. See, God is the God of the ages. He's always been abundant in mercy, grace, and faithful to his people. Um, over Easter, I found out what the acronym TLDR stood for and what it meant. Too long, didn't read. And I thought, this is great. And when I get those long emails, I can just reply, TLDR. Too long, didn't read. I was told that's not how it works. But rather, it's a summary of a very long, long piece of writing. And if you just joined us, the TLDR of Deuteronomy has been God has chosen his people. God's people must choose him. And each week we have seen that over the three sermons that make up the book of Deuteronomy. And as we come to the end of this book, we meet the preacher. It ends by talking about Moses. And so we're going to look at three things. His life, his leadership, and his legacy, and how his story impacts yours. Let's start with his life. I think besides Jesus, more movies have been made about Moses than any other biblical character. Uh, There's a few, which you'll see up on the screen. There's Exodus, God and Kings, Ten Commandments, uh, The Prince of Egypt, uh, Whitney Houston singing When You Believe, you know that one? Uh, A remarkable life that Moses led, and movies have been made out of it. You you see this in Deuteronomy 31, verse 1. It says this, Moses went out and spoke these words to all of Israel. I am now 120 years old, and I'm no longer able to lead you. Now, besides being the understatement of the century, uh, you see this 120 years of Moses' life, and it invites reflection upon his remarkable story. So I kind of want to almost do a Moses, this is your life episode Uh, Let's look back over these 120 years that he's lived. And it's interesting, you can divide his life into three lots of 40. And each 40 years was a very different stage, a very different season for Moses. Moses, born a Hebrew boy, in a time where all Hebrew boys were taken and thrown into the Nile to be eaten or drowned as a form of population control by Pharaoh. But Moses' life was very different. Found and adopted by a princess, Egyptian princess, his life was very different to others. His first 40 years was a life of luxury. Limitless resources, everything he ever wanted at his fingertips. And yet, God was still preparing him. As Moses received the best education, skills in thinking in politics, in understanding the ancient Near Eastern, though he had no idea, God was preparing him to one day lead his people. But then a moment happened in Moses' life that changed everything. As he saw an Egyptian taskmaster 
beat one of his fellow Hebrew men. In a burst of anger, Moses killed that taskmaster. And we're told in Exodus 2, he, he covered up the body. But it couldn't be covered up because news spread and Moses fled. And overnight, Moses went from a wealthy man to a terrified refugee. One simple act, one unexpected moment changed everything. And the second stage of his life, the next 40 years, spent in the desert, the desert of Midian. And there he lived, recalling again and again, why did I do that? The guilt of that unplanned moment going over his head a thousand times. And yet God was teaching him something in that desert of Midian. Many things, but two very important things. Two things that he couldn't have learnt in the palaces of Egypt. First is this. God is a God of mercy. As Moses hid in that desert, God came to meet him in a burning bush. And the shock for Moses about a burning bush was not that it wasn't burning, but that a holy God was speaking to him, an unholy man, and telling him, your past does not dictate your future. Damage doesn't mean done. And that God was going to use him, even though of his mistakes, he was going to use a broken man for God's purpose, for God's praise, and God's plan. But the second thing Moses learned was God is a God of justice. But it would not be through Moses' hands that he would free his people, but God's. It wouldn't be through Moses' burst of anger that justice, but God's controlled right anger of all that is wrong. That he, God, calls the shots, not Moses. And so God called Moses to be the mouthpiece of God's people to lead his people. And Moses saw firsthand the power of God with each plague that came, with each let my people go and every no that Pharaoh said, Moses saw that God would bring about justice. When Pharaoh finally said go and that Red Sea parted and the Egyptian army destroyed, Moses saw firsthand God would rescue his people. And these phenomenal encounters, these signs and wonders would prepare Moses for the final section of his life, the last 40 years, the hardest of all. Because it's easy, isn't it, to follow God when the miraculous happens, the signs and wonders, the phenomenal, but when the ordinary, the mundane, the repetitive, that's hard. And there is nothing more dry or repetitive than wandering a desert for 40 years, leading a bunch of people who whinge. Moses, we're told, at one point lost it. When God said, speak to a rock for water to come out, he gave a stick and whacked it twice in anger. And because of that, Moses couldn't enter the promised land. Now, we might think that's an overreaction. At least it wasn't a human he was whacking. But God tells us he always holds his leaders of his people to a higher account. And because of that, Moses was to lead his people to the edge of the promised land and no more. I'm sure Moses remembered fondly the comforts of Egypt, the palace I'm sure he remembered fondly the freedom of responsibility in Midian. But in those weary months and years, Moses knew God is faithful. He is good. 
He provides for our needs, and that was enough. See, through Moses' life, materially speaking, he went from the top all the way to the bottom. But spiritually speaking, he went from the bottom all the way to the top as he grew in wonder and awe and majesty for the God of the ages. And as Moses said, though he had nothing, chapter 32, verse 3, I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Oh, praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are just. That's Moses' life. The 120 years. Now, you compare your life to Moses, it's not worth comparing, isn't it? I mean, the reality is they'll never make a movie about your and I life, but they did about Moses. But the God of the ages is still interested in your life, movie or no movie. God is using each stage of your life to prepare you for the next. One of the helpful reflection things to do is to look back over your life, look back over the stages of the season and ask, how was God preparing me then for now? And then ask the question, how is God preparing me now for what's next? You and I have no idea what the future holds. Moses had no idea what was coming around the corner, whether it's prosperity or hardship, a change in life, stage, situation, a call to be courageous. Who knows? But God is preparing you in each stage and each season to draw you closer to himself and his ways and his plan so that you would know he is the rock. His works are perfect and his ways are just. So that's the first thing, Moses' life. Secondly, his leadership. I'm always interested to see uh, when a prime minister retires, what do they do next? Because it's very telling about what they're truly on about. And as Moses is ending the near, at the end of his life, hanging up his boots, what are the final days? What does he do? Because that's telling about what he truly values. Have a look, Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. Moses says this, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. The Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. I mean, these people are about to be a people without Moses as their leader. They've only had Moses as their leader. That's it. And it's this moment of scariness as they're facing. It's like when you were young and uh, the first time your mum or dad wasn't there. It's an anxious thought. But Moses is saying, be strong. Be courageous. Why? Because me, yourself, no, no, no. The Lord is with you. He will deliver them to you. In other words, Moses is saying, I'm about to go, but God is not going anywhere. So what? Remember. Look back. And remember what God has done. He says to God's people, look back at what God did with Sihon and Og. Uh, Look back how he rescued you from Egypt, Mount Sinai, uh, the Red Sea, manna from heaven. God is with you and for you. Never forget. I don't even know if you know the the show Malcolm in the Middle, Uh, but the guy who played Malcolm, Frankie Munz, He cannot remember ever being Malcolm in Malcolm in the Middle. He's forgotten. He cannot remember those years. Why? 
because not one but two strokes. He cannot remember anything. And I heard that, and I thought, gee, how tragic. All those memories gone. But you know what is more tragic, friends? When Christians forget, not because of a stroke, but when we forget all that God has done. And you know, we're quite good at forgetting, aren't we? It's amazing how many times you or I hear that God is the provider. We are worth more than sparrows. And yet, when we find out we have to move house, we freak out. It's amazing how many times we hear that God is always there to ask and knock. And a problem comes up, and we go to everyone else besides God. We are so prone to forget God. Now, remembering is not just memory recall, but remember when God remembers, he blesses, and when we remember, we are blessed. Because when life is foggy and uncertain, and you think, how will God get me through this? And that is a lot of life. Look back and remember who God is and what he's done. But how will they remember? I mean, Moses is moments away from his own death. That's why chapter 31, verse, what is it, 12 says, Assemble the people, men, women, and children, and the foreigners residing in your town, so they can listen and learn to fear the Lord your God. In other words, Moses wants God's people to regularly gather and listen in all stages of life to hear God's written word read, to listen and remember. It's verses like this of why normally on a Sunday we have kids in church. Why we have the Bible read and read aloud. Because we are a community that comes together to do what? To listen and remember. Many years ago, I remember talking to a lady, uh, and we're having a conversation just about how great grace is, that we're saved not by what we do, but by what God has done and and the precious gift that it is. A number of years later, I was talking to the same lady and found out she hadn't been part of a church, sort of not really reading the Bible at all, drifted away. And and asking about a spiritual walk with the Lord, and she said, oh, look, let's just face it. Christians are good people who are trying to get to heaven. And I was so struck by how different our conversations were. Same lady, but she had forgotten. Friends, we gather together. We open the Bible because we are so prone to forgetting God and his truth and his ways. You know, it's interesting. It's not just through the word that we remember, but also through song. Because Deuteronomy 31 verse 19 says this, Now write down this song and teach it to the Israelites and have them sing it so that it may be a witness for me against them. Moses really wants his people to remember, so he writes a song. He's a very multi-talented guy. Now, it's interesting. If I was to ask you right now to write down all the verses from the Scripture, from the Bible, that you know off the top of your head, and then if I get you to write down all the lyrics to Christian songs that you know off the top of your head, I presume the list of Christian lyrics would be longer than the verses of Scripture memorized. Moses knows this is the case. He knows that God's people... When it comes to remembering the law, they're more likely to remember a song because a song has a way of sticking in your head. And when temptation or grief or doubts or the everyday comes, it convicts and comforts us. 
That's why, church, we have such a high standard of the songs that we sing as we gather together. I remember talking to my daughter, and we were listening to the song, you know, Somewhere Over the Rainbow, that song. We are listening to that song, and my daughter asked, why don't we sing this song in church? And I said, well, it doesn't really have, doesn't talk about Jesus or God. And she said, well, it mentions clouds, and clouds are in the Bible. We want to have a higher standard than that, right? And when it comes to Curtis and the music team, what they do, they don't just pick songs willy-nilly, but they have a strict criteria of what songs do we sing. Is this theologically accurate? Does it reflect God's truths? And is the music fitting to the theme of the song? Because the reality is you will remember the songs far more than the sermon. Moses, as a leader, a leader of three million Hebrews, knew his role, is really, I would be the first pastor, is that of getting his people to remember. Remember who God is, what he's done, and what it means to live for him. Because like a person is lost without their memory, a Christian is lost when we fail to remember God and what he has done. The third and final thing is Moses' legacy. As the curtains close on the book of Deuteronomy, in the final chapter, Deuteronomy 34, we see Moses climbing to the top of Mount Nebo. And there he gazes on the promised land. He sees it. This land that was promised to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I'm sure a tear rolled down his eyes as he saw it. And then we're told he dies. And in a kind of eulogy, the final verses of Deuteronomy, verse 10, go like this. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all signs of wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to his officials and to the whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. I mean, that's a send-off, isn't it? No one was like Moses. No one knew God personally as Moses, face to face. No one did the kind of signs and wonders that Moses did. No one did God show his power and might through as much as Moses. And you read the rest of the Old Testament, and it's true. I mean, Joshua, David, Ruth, even Elijah, they're great, but they don't even compare to what Moses did. You speak to anyone who's Jewish even today and they have Moses in such high regard because there was no one like Moses. And yet Moses' legacy was not himself, but who he pointed to. Even Moses knew that. Back in Deuteronomy 18, Moses said, The Lord will raise you up a prophet like me from among you. Listen to him. See, Moses knew his legacy was beyond himself. That someone would come that would be like him. But not even probably Moses realized how like him he would be. Because it's true, there was no one like Moses. Until a day came when a boy was born in a kind of basket. At a time where all Hebrew boys were killed. 
There was no one like Moses until a man walked up a mountain and expounded the Ten Commandments on the Sermon of the Mount, or who wandered the desert for 40 days. There was no one like Moses until someone turned up who did signs and wonders, like turning water into wine, raising a dead girl, feeding 5,000, calming the storm. Until the day the greater Moses turned up, Jesus Christ himself. And as it says in Hebrews 3, for Jesus had been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honour than the house itself. See, Jesus Christ was the one Moses spoke about who would be like him and yet so unlike him. Because Moses only mediated the word of God. Jesus, he was the word of God. Moses rescued his people, the Israelites, and squashed the Egyptian army under the Red Sea. And yet Jesus, arms out on that cross, rescued all of God's people from sin and squashed death itself. Moses, he had many faults. Jesus had none. And though only Moses led his people to the promised land and could not enter, Jesus Christ leads his people to the ultimate promised land, heaven, and says, come with me. Let's go together. The legacy of Moses is not just a remarkable life or leader, but it's that you would know someone greater than Moses, Jesus, his life, his leadership, his legacy, and you would worship him for all eternity. You know, I feel like there's a great irony in God's timing as we conclude this book of Deuteronomy with Moses staring at the promised land and cannot enter. Because so many of us had a holiday planned and cannot go. Next week, in theory, my wife and I were supposed to go to Port Douglas and staring at a place like this, we ain't going. I was, we were supposed to have open mic this Sunday at church. I was tempted to rename it Open Lament. But anyway, look, I know it's trivial. But it's sad to miss out on something you're looking forward to. But as I've been having my head in Deuteronomy and, and even Hebrews, I've remembered these words. As it says in Hebrews 3, verse 12, after Speaking about Jesus as the greater Moses, it says this, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful and unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. Look, it's sad to miss out on a holiday. But nothing compares to missing out on the ultimate promised land, heaven itself. But it is not outside of our control, like border closures or lockdown, but something in our control, sin's deceitfulness, that the allure of sin is strong. And though we made that commitment, whenever it was, I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to walk with him, 
the danger is to walk away towards sin, away from God, to forget and ultimately walk away from heaven. The message of Jerusalem is still as relevant as it was then to now. That each day, brothers and sisters, as long as it is called today, is another day to choose God knowing that he has chosen me. To choose to worship him, to be generous and obedient in everything. Our goal is not just to start, but to finish. Not just to know about heaven, but to experience it. Not just to see it, but to enjoy it for all eternity. Not just to have faith in the greater Moses Jesus, but to meet him face to face. That is our goal. Remember that, friends, that we have one goal, to firmly hold on to Jesus Christ every day, never letting go, knowing that God of the ages has firmly placed you in his hands. And one day, one day, we will see, not only see, but enter heaven, hand in hand, with Jesus Christ the God of the ages. I am looking forward to that day. Let's pray. O God of the ages, no matter what awaits for us tomorrow or the day after that, may we never forget the blessings you have shown us. May we a people that remember and not forget. Help us to cling to you as our rock. Help us to remember your steadfast love and mercy and faithfulness to us in all things until we see you, Lord Jesus, face to face. In your name we pray. Amen.